You're listening to a live recording from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. Thanks for joining us. No, so great. And Merry Christmas. I do want to say, I know uh, Mike was confused. I, I think it's still Christmas. I know even uh, in uh, Eastern Europe, I think they celebrate a second day of Christmas today. So uh, welcome to Christmas part two, folks. Uh, we do want to say uh, that we hope um, you had a, a wonderful holiday yesterday. And uh, for those that were with us on Christmas Eve, what a beautiful time together. And uh, we so enjoyed seeing uh, so many faces uh, with us all together. And, um, but we don't want to leave out those that are watching online, either on Christmas Eve or today. We want to say thank you for tuning in today as well. As you can see, I brought a very large Bible with me. And uh, this is a family Bible that I got from uh, my grandmother uh, when we were going through some of her things a couple years ago. And I was reminded of that. Uh, we, we said goodbye to Grandma. She passed uh, earlier in December of this year. And so uh, pretty meaningful holiday this year as we, we headed towards Christmas. And I, I remembered I have this Bible uh, uh, that was hers and that was the family's sitting in my office here at the church. And uh, it goes all the way back to 1855 in the, the dates listed in the Bible. 1855, I was remembering this, was the year that Doc and Marty went back to Hill Valley with the DeLorean in Back to the Future 3. So, you know, history buffs, you might remember that. Um, but, but 1855, uh, it's a very old Bible, and uh, the McCoy family are the ones that had this. Uh, and the McCoys, uh, along with the Hatfields, uh, were my grandparents. So, I don't know that. I have no idea. I'm just making stuff up. But I was remembering uh, just as, as we gathered on Christmas Eve... And, and uh, so many came out, and we were just together in this, in this space. Uh, just how meaningful the rhythms of these holidays are, you know? Um, how meaningful it is to connect and be in relationship and the sense of family, whether it's, it's blood relatives or the community that we find ourselves in here in the church, the meaningful pieces of our rhythms. Um, Pastor Steve talked about when Jesus was brought to the temple to be dedicated, and Simeon, this prophet, was there also in the temple. And I thought about that today as we were dedicating Hazel, the power of when we bring our children uh, before the Lord. And as Pastor Steve talked about on Christmas Eve, uh, when Jesus is brought to the temple by Mary and Joseph, Simeon, this prophet, uh, sees the child. And, and the Bible tells us that Simeon had spent his whole life looking towards the redemption of Israel. And so as he comes to the temple that day, he, he hears uh, the voice of the Holy Spirit pointing out this child, Jesus. And so for the very first time publicly, Simeon is, is uh, there with the child, and he ties Jesus to the prophecy about the Messiah out of Isaiah chapter 9, where it says, uh, those living in the land of darkness, in the shadow of darkness, for them a light has dawned. And then Isaiah goes on in chapter 9, and uh, the very famous passage, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And, uh, and it's in this moment of dedication, really, that, that Jesus receives uh, this connection to what was promised would come. And the reason that this happens is because this guy, Simeon, this prophet who's, who's been waiting for the Messiah to show up, uh, was, was ready. When the promise came, someone was waiting there. And along with him, this prophetess named Anna, they were ready and waiting, holding on to the hope that the promises of God were good. 
and that they would enter into a moment uh, that those that had gone before them never got to see where they would hold the child, Jesus, in their arms. And I thought about that story even today as we're dedicating Hazel and I'm, I'm holding this ginormous Bible. The thought that generations go by and people hold on to hope in the promises of God, some will never see it. But because they hold on to that hope, those that come later might step into the promises of God. And I thought about this for, for us as, as reflecting on my grandmother's life. And did she receive all the promises of God? Probably not for her life. But she held on to hope that God was good for what he promised. And I'm here because of her and so many others that have gone before us, holding on to hope and the promises of God. And so I am encouraged when I think about the future. Why? Because I believe that we are standing in a place where light still shines in darkness. And I want to talk about this today as we kind of wrap up our Christmas series. Uh, we're going to go to the book of John chapter 1. And if you have a Bible, you can go there. I'm going to set this Bible somewhere else because it's so large. Can I give this to you, Ben? <laughs> Be careful of that. It'll fall apart. Um, John chapter 1. I want to read this as we wrap up our Christmas series today. Um, this is uh, probably my favorite uh, passage on the birth of Jesus. It's John's telling. Now, um, John was a disciple of Jesus. He walked with Jesus. And towards the end of his life, he sat down and he wrote the Gospel of John. It was written last of all the four Gospels. It's the very last one written. And it has the benefit of a lot of hindsight, that John is now old in his life. And he's able to look back on the story of his life that included these months and years that he spent with his friend Jesus. And so he sits down to write about um, how this all came to be. And unlike Luke, uh, he doesn't start with the birth of Jesus. He goes even further back. So let me read this out of John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. I was driving with my daughter Clara. She's nine. A few days before Christmas. And uh, it was kind of getting late in the afternoon. And as the sun was setting. And we were driving past Christmas lights in the neighborhoods. She turned to me and she said, Dad, why do we have lights at Christmas time? And... Uh, Looking back, it was a wonderful moment, both as a father, but also as a pastor, to really tie in uh, the fact that Jesus is the light of the world, and, and we celebrate his birth at Christmas. And I could have said all these things. Instead, I said, well, you know, sweetie, uh, winters are really long in Scandinavia, and I think that's where we got a lot of our traditions. So it's probably something to do with that. <laughs> as we're driving along, I'm thinking, Man, I could have probably brought up some spiritual truth. That was maybe a teaching moment. Oh, well. So I'm bringing the teaching moment to you. Claire's not even in the room, but you're going to receive the teaching moment I should have given to my nine-year-old. The fact is, um, maybe the Scandinavians had it right. When the night is the darkest and the longest, we need the light the most. And I think uh, at the heart of our celebrations of the coming of Jesus is really an acknowledgement that the night is dark and the night is long. And so we actually are in a place where we desire so much 
the light that signals that there is hope for the future. And when Jesus shows up, John points back to the fact that he is the light of the world. And not just in his coming, but all the way back to another 1-1. Another 1-1 in the Bible where we have the same words that start out John 1-1 in the beginning. Do you remember the other 1-1? Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what John is doing is he's tying this uh, moment of, of the birth of Christ and the coming of Jesus to the beginning of all things, the creation, when God himself spoke into the darkness, into the void, into the chaos of the world, and he begins to create. And what does he start with? Light. You know, just like um, in your house, have you ever tried to mop the floors in the dark? I don't recommend it, right? Before you clean the house, before you set things in order, what do you have to do? You have to turn on the lights. And this is what God does, is before he goes about the work of setting things in order, in Genesis 1-1, he turns on the lights. And before Jesus sets about his work of setting things right in the world that we live in, he turns on the light. So let's pray today. Father, we thank you for uh, Jesus once again. We thank you that he is the light of the world. We thank you that when the night is dark and long, we have hope in the light of the world that shines in the darkness. And so today, as we've been talking about all month long, we receive you, Jesus, into our world, into our hearts, into the darkness around us, that you would shine your light and that we would receive you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from darkness. The Genesis narrative continues after light comes. Uh, God sets about the work of creating the cosmos and the, the world and animals and creatures. And then he finally creates mankind. He creates this beautiful, perfect garden. He sets them in the garden. And he creates this ideal and perfect space where God can meet and have relationship with mankind. And everything is perfect according to the Genesis story. The perfect world perfect garden, perfect humans. And then in Genesis chapter 3, we find that God walks among them in the cool of the day, which is really like the perfect time of day. Anybody not here for the hot, scorching sun? You, like, you avoid beach vacations. You'd rather be up in the mountains with layers and cool weather. Ben, I know where you at, Ben. I know this is you, my friend. We'll talk about how we, we can leave the beaches alone. Give us some place where we can put a nice jacket on and enjoy some cooler weather. Anybody with us? <laughs> I was, I was hoping I would, I would bring all of you on our side on this thing. I don't think I've succeeded. But here we have in Genesis this, this idea that even the time of day that God comes to meet and walk around with man and have this, this moment of, of relationship and communion is in the cool of the day, the perfect time of the day. So we have uh, all things are lined up. Perfect world, perfect garden, perfect humans, perfect time of day. That's when God comes to meet with man and woman. When everything's perfect. And I think the thing that gives me a tremendous amount of hope when I look at the state of what 
we face in our family, what we face in our world, what we face in 2022, what gives me such a tremendous amount of hope is that whereas things started with the need for perfection for God to meet with man, when Jesus shows up, he breaks all of those conditions. The time of day is not perfect. He's born in the dead of night in a storage shed behind the hotel. The stable is filthy. The family is poor. The girl is unmarried. The night is dark. Israel is enslaved. My goodness, we are so far away from the perfection of Eden. The perfection of that place where everything was so perfectly in line so that God could meet with man. None of the conditions are met. And unto us a child is born. In about as far from perfect as we can find. And I think this is why um, so many that were looking for the Messiah missed it when it came. They weren't there to recognize Jesus as the Messiah because they were under the impression, and I think it's one that we uh, can easily assume today, that if only we could get back to where things are perfect, we would set the stage for God to speak again. If only we could get back to the place where all the circumstances line up where everything fits perfectly in line, where everything is perfect, maybe then he'd step in and he'd meet us in the world we live in. And I wonder today if you ever feel like if only you could get back before life through a curveball. You ever feel this way? Like, like things changed at some point. Things took a turn. If only we could undo that. If only we could get back to before. Before the marriage fell apart, before the diagnosis, before the bankruptcy, before things changed, before the kids left the house, before, if we could just get back before all of this changed, it would be perfect. What gives me great hope is that Jesus comes, not when things are perfect, but when things are in need of light the most. And Jesus walks among us, not on perfectly timed settings, not in, in a perfectly manicured lawn in the cool of the evening, but to walk beside us in the dusty streets and the scorching heat with the sick and the broken and the needy. He walks with us. And it's in Jesus, God with us, that we find that God has moved out of the palace, out of the perfection. He's walked past the garden and he's moved into the messy wild with us. God with us. Do you have resolutions for the new year? Do we do this anymore? I don't know if we do this anymore. Uh, I think it's fallen out of style to have too many resolutions. Maybe 2020. Do we just, you know, we're not going to do resolutions. We're just going to figure it out as we go. Uh, but if you do have resolutions, I mean, good for you. Good for you. What's the quote? Um, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. So my resolution um, for this year is I'm going to give up on perfect. Some of you are probably thinking, Evan, we assumed you gave up a long time ago. <laughs> Don't clap for that. Who <laughs> clap for it? Get out of this room. <laughs> I don't think uh, we get to perfect even when our resolutions give us maybe the hope that we would. I don't think we'd get there anyway, but I'm, I'm fairly confident um, that perfection is actually not where Jesus hangs out in our lives. It's not the perfect places where we finally, finally come to that, that, that ideal spot, you know, 
the perfect family, the perfect body, the perfect health, the perfect finances, the perfect job, fill in the blank. I, I, I'm not sure that that's actually where Jesus hangs out in our lives. What I've found in my life is it's actually in the imperfect places that I find the sweet, uh, sustaining, restorative presence of Jesus. Just like in Genesis 1-1, it says the Spirit of God hovered over the waters in the darkness. It's in the chaotic waters and darkness of my life many times that I find the presence of the Holy Spirit hovering to bring creative power, to bring his restorative work. The, the same Jesus that showed up as light in darkness, dawning for those who, who walked in darkness. Man, when I'm in darkness, that's when I find the presence of Jesus is still becoming flesh in my life. So, Give it up on perfect. Give up on perfect. Uh, I, I heard this quote um, from a, a celebrity, which, take it or leave it, but uh, Bono, he's the lead singer of the um, now probably classic rock. Uh, <laughs> used to just be a rock band from Ireland. Now it's classic rock band from Ireland. Um, but he said this in, in a speech, and it was, it was so moving. He said, God is in the slums. In the cardboard boxes where the poor play house, God is in the debris of wasted opportunity and lives. And God is with us if we are with them. And you know, I can't vouch for all of Bono's theology. But I think he might be on to something that God hangs out, not in the perfect places when we've presented ourselves so well and we've figured it all out. But God presents himself like he did in the first century in Bethlehem when nothing has gone right and the night is dark and the inn is full, that God shows up. And I have a question for you. Where in your life are those places of imperfection that you're even ashamed to admit that maybe Jesus could show up in those places? That maybe as a church that, that our desire might be to put forward this image of a community that has it all figured out, but instead we would allow Jesus to bring to us and work in us an acknowledgement that he shows up when we don't have it all figured out and we don't have all the things in line that Jesus shows up when the night is dark. We move on in the uh, first chapter of John to verse 14, and it says, And the word became flesh, and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is the one only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God became flesh and dwelt where? With us, right here. Right here in your crazy family. Right here in your, your, your missed goals. Right here in pandemics and uncertainty. Right here where not everything has gone completely according to plan, God became flesh and he dwelt among us. N.T. Wright, uh, he's a, a scholar and a writer, and he said, with fear and trembling, we discover how to allow the, that word to go on becoming flesh every day. And my hope for us as we step into a new year, and we'll close here in a, a minute or so, but... My hope for us in the new year is that we would allow Jesus to settle in in our lives in maybe a more um, complete way. You know, do you ever compartmentalize your life? Like you have, you have pieces of your life that, that uh, 
you're proud of or that you're, you, you post on social media, your grandkids, your, your vacations, all those things. I think we do that spiritually too. We have the pieces of our lives that, that we will allow Jesus to look at and deal with and work with. And, and then there's those sides of our lives and our worlds and our, 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 our minds that we just kind of put a barrier up and say, Jesus, no more. I wonder if we could today allow Jesus to come into the whole mess, to have access to all of it, to bring his creative miracle working power to all the darkness in all the places in our lives. I wrote this. I said, perhaps if I really want to be close to Jesus, I should stop asking him to join my self-improvement goals and instead join him in what he's been doing ever since that first night, moving into the messiness of real life. And so as we close today, I just want to um, maybe invite you into a new openness with Jesus where we have nothing hidden from him. We don't hold back from him, but we allow him to move into the messiness of our real lives. Um, 2022, who knows what's going to happen? Did 2021 go exactly according to plan for anybody? Like, <laughs> of course not. And so we don't know what's going to happen in 2022, uh, but we have a lot of hope. We have a lot of hope. Why? Because Jesus still shows up in all the messy places of life. And so Jesus today, um, we invite your light and your presence into every corner uh, of our world. And as we head into a new year, and uh, it'll likely be filled with uncertainty, we don't know what's around every corner, but we know that you're waiting for us when we get there. And so we invite that presence of Jesus we open up our hearts today, maybe, maybe for the first time. We open up um, our hearts, places that, that we haven't allowed you to, to access before. Today, Jesus, we ask you, come into the messiness of our hearts and our minds and our lives. Move into this neighborhood. Be God with us. Jesus, we receive you. And we hold on to hope that in the future, you have good things for us as a community, for our city, for our nation, for our world, because of your great love, that you are still the light that shines in darkness. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we want to say thank you. Um, for those online, for tuning in, that's great. For those of you that came out in the morning on December 26th, uh, well done. We, we, I, I wouldn't say that we had a bet going, but we were trying to guess how many people would, would brave the snow and show up. And I, I got to be honest, you uh, surpassed your expectations. Wouldn't you say that, Ben? So well done. Why don't you give yourselves a round of applause, actually, for coming out. Uh, next week, we have, uh, we're going to have a special time, uh, Pastor Ben, Pastor Steve, and myself. We're going to share some of uh, where we're headed in the new year and some of the vision for Westside Church and uh, what we believe God is speaking to us. Uh, we hope you have a safe week, uh, a great New Year's celebrations, and we'll see you next week.